It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Well, welcome back to this study in the book of Ephesians. We've been looking at chapter 4, the first verse, looking at this incredible calling that God has in our life. Now, what I'd like to do is just read the first three verses to kind of give an overarching context and a reminder of what we've been talking about. So here is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. Paul writes, Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, exhort you to walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If you remember from the last several studies, we've been walking through God's calling in your life. And we said that God's calling is not so much a profession as much as it is a person. So yes, God may call you to be a preacher or a teacher or a plumber or a circus clown or whatever it may be. The reality is, regardless of your profession, God's distinctive calling in your life is to himself. That the primary calling for you is to look like Jesus, to be conformed to his incredible likeness, as it says in Romans 8, verse 29. If you remember the idea of calling, it's the idea of a scale. And so we put the calling on this side and and your life over here, and they are to be equal in weight. And yet the difficulty is if my life is over here and Jesus, the calling is over here, well, those are not equal. They do not hold each other in balance. So as we said, the only option I have to live in my calling, well, is for the calling himself to get in my life. And when Jesus invades your life, amazingly, your life can be worthy of that calling because that calling has moved in and is now governing your life. Well, what I like to do is kind of take the next step in our passage. And what Paul begins to do is give some of the aspects of this calling. In other words, he's describing the life of Jesus. Look again at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. He says that we are to live worthy of the calling with which we've been called. And then he goes on and he says, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love and being diligent to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. In other words, there are attributes that should be evident in our lives if we are living according to that calling. Or perhaps better stated, when Jesus invades your life and thus you're living in that calling, you're worthy of that calling, well, then his life will be manifested in yours. He is going to take his life and begin to shine it through your very own. He's going to transform your heart and your mind so that you begin to take on his life. You'll become godly and Christ-like. What I'd like to do in this particular episode is look at this idea of humility in the life of Jesus. And I want to look at it in two ways. One, I want to look at it specifically in the teaching of Jesus first and then also in his life. If you just look at a variety of verses, you begin to notice that Jesus consistently talked about the fact that you and I are to walk in humility. His teaching was just replete with that idea. For example, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, in the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. 
that word blessed is really intriguing in the Greek. It's actually a congratulatory term. So it's not, well, you will be blessed if you're poor in spirit. Rather, Jesus is saying, congratulations, you are poor in spirit. That's how I made you, says the creator of the universe. In other words, you get this idea that the way we are called to live is, or how we were made, is in this place of destitution, in this place of helplessness, in this poverty of spirit. In other words, it's a place of great dependency, where we need the God of the universe just to be able to function as we ought. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, talking in this argument over who is the greatest, he says, uh, Luke records in Luke 9, an argument started among them, the disciples, as to which of them might be the greatest. But Jesus, knowing what they were thinking in their heart, took a child and stood him by his side and said to him, said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For the one who is the least among you, this is the one who is great. In other words, in the midst of this argument of the disciples of who is the greatest disciple, Jesus says, let me give you the better perspective. See this little child? You are going to have to stoop and become low if you want to be great. And that really is an interesting paradox of the kingdom. If you want to go up, you must go down. If you want to be great, you must be least. If you want to be exalted, you must be humbled. In other words, if you want to progress in the kingdom of God, then it's not seeking position and trying to exert your own position, authority, pride, or whatever. Rather, it is to stoop, to be humble, come under, and allow Christ to be glorified and magnified in and through your life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 4, Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Or he says in Matthew chapter 20, But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In that context, James and John are arguing over who gets to sit at the right, uh, on, on the right side of Jesus, or the right and the left. And Jesus says, look, if, if you actually want to have a position of authority, if you want to actually be great in the kingdom, well, you need to stoop and be under. Don't seek to be served. Don't seek the people around you to come and, and wash your feet. Rather, you should go, be humble, and serve those around you. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is talking about the scribes and the Pharisees, and he says this, Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses, which is a position of authority and, and a, a position and authority. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. For they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. They love the place of honor at banquets and of chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Jesus says, look, if you, if you notice the scribes and the Pharisees, they enjoy the outward appearance of prestige and success. They wear the big, broad phylacteries on their arms or on their heads. They, they lengthen the tassels upon their robes. They love the great greetings when someone says, wow, Rabbi, good to see you. They, they have these long and lengthy prayers. But Jesus says the reality is whoever exalts himself shall be humbled and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. 
In other words, do not seek the good position. Do not seek the prestige. Do not seek the applause of the people around you. Rather, stoop and seek to serve. Seek humility, says Jesus. In Luke chapter 14, we looked at this last week in terms of the seats of the feast, but it says, Jesus comments in terms of the seats of the feast, but when you're invited to a banquet, go and recline at the last place so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Again, you and I should seek the low position. That you and I should desire humility, first and foremost, because Jesus taught us. But interestingly, Jesus didn't merely speak and teach the idea of humility. He also lived it. So when you look at this idea of humility in the life of Jesus, you begin to notice that his whole life was full of This idea of stooping, walking in humility, and serving those around him. For example, in John chapter 5, verse 19, it says, Therefore Jesus answered and said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. Or in John 5, 30, he says, I can do nothing of my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He says in John 5, 41, I do not receive glory from men. It's interesting throughout that entire chapter, Jesus is reminding the Israelites, look, I I did not come just to receive something. I've come to pour out and I'm not even doing anything of my own. This is not my own wisdom. This isn't my own uh thought process. This isn't my own initiative. Rather, I'm being governed by the Father through the Spirit, and it's His will and His purpose. In other words, I'm not exerting my own influence or my own authority. Rather, I'm coming under the authority of the Father, and He is giving me that which to say and do. Wouldn't it be interesting if we lived that kind of a life under the authority of the Holy Spirit? That we weren't just exerting our own authority or our own thought process. Rather, we were being governed by the Spirit of God and we were coming under the authority of Jesus, saying, God, use this life however you decide. In other words, it demands that we would walk in humility. In John chapter 6, it's Jesus is talking and he says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Again, Jesus took on this humble position and was merely serving the will of the Father. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus is speaking. He says, For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Ponder this. Here's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he has all right and all authority to actually sit back and really receive the worship and service of everyone around him. And yet, when he came as a man, he did not seek to be served. He rolled up his sleeves and was constantly washing the feet of those around him and saying, hey, how can I pour my life out for you? How can I meet your needs? How can I, how can I serve you? That is so backwards from how God should have received or came, came to this earth. See, we should have served him. He is king. He is God. He is creator over all things. And yet he did not seek to be served. Rather, he came to serve and and bless and wash and 
and roll up his sleeves and pour his life out for you and I. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, you know who I am? I am gentle and humble in heart. That if you were to cut Jesus down the middle, what you would find is that he is a man of great strength and yet he's a man of great gentleness and humility. That humility was the tone, the lifestyle of how Jesus lived. He did not seek his own honor. Rather, he was constantly showing and pointing to the glory and the majesty of the Father. And you probably see this as a best expression in John chapter 13 when Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. In other words, he comes in and here's no one wanting to stoop and take the lowest position in that culture, which is that of a foot washer. And of course, it was often given to a just a common household servant. But here are the disciples. They obviously forgot to hire someone to wash the feet. Well, who on earth is going to be washing? I mean, if I was Peter, I would not watch, wash John's feet. And of course, you know, they're, they're probably arguing at this point saying, well, who should wash this? And hey, so-and-so should probably do it. And you know what? You know, you, you should go and just wash our feet. And, and you know, what does Jesus do? He comes into the room and he strips off his outer garment. And he wraps a towel around his waist and he grabs the basin of water and begins to, to wash the feet of the disciples. And it's just a great picture of the fact that here is the king of the universe, the Messiah, God in the flesh. And what is he doing? He is stooping and washing the feet of those around him. So when you look at the life of Jesus, what you begin to see is that he never sought his own honor. He never defended himself. And in fact, as a sheep goes to the slaughter, it says that he opened not his mouth, that Jesus was constantly trusting and resigning himself into the hand and the will of the father. I love what Philippians chapter two says. Paul is speaking and he, he makes this grand declaration of who Christ is. It's called, often called the kenosis passage. But in verse five of chapter two of Philippians, Paul says, have this attitude or this mindset, which is in you or in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he begins to describe that perspective or that orientation of thought, that attitude, that mind of Christ. And he says, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself and took on the form of a bondservant, a slave, and became, or I'm sorry, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. What you see in that whole picture is that Jesus was a man of humility. That yes, he is God. And yet when he came, he actually functioned as a servant, a slave of the father. And he humbled himself even to the point of the most humiliating and excruciating death, which was the death of a cross, a death upon a cross. Do you realize that Jesus constantly lived a life of humility? He didn't merely talk about humility. He lived a life of humility which then goes to this idea of the fact that you and I are called to walk that same path of humility. In light of our passage, if Jesus is my calling, if he's the fullness of what my life should reflect, and that calling has come to indwell my life through his spirit, you realize that because he not only spoke about humility, but he lived humility, well, then one of the things that the Holy Spirit is going to be doing in my life is taking this life this heart, this mind, this attitude, this perspective of my, of my existence. And he's going to be transforming and shaping and sanctifying it so that it is humble. You and I are called 
to humility because that is who Jesus is. Now, in the next episode, in our next study together, I actually want to dive into this idea of humility even more specifically. I want to talk about what is humility and how do we actually functionally live it out. But until then, can I just freshly remind you, Jesus, though he is God and creator of all things, walked in humility. So it is only pure arrogance and pride for us to do anything but that. In other words, could you and I choose to stoop and to walk in humility by the grace and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit within our lives? What would it look like if you and I were known in this generation as men and women who were humble? Well, let me just pray a prayer, a blessing, and, and, and even just the fact that God wants to do this in our lives. I don't know about you. I need Jesus to pull off humility. So join me in prayer. Lord, uh, as Oswald Chambers once said, bathe us in humility. Lord, I pray that our, our, our whole lives would just be marked by this incredible attribute that you lived called humility. So Lord, we thank you that you came and you humbled yourself and you did not seek to be served, but that you came to serve. And Lord, I pray that we in turn would not walk in an arrogance or a pride thinking that this is all about us. Rather, may we stoop and humble ourselves that everything going on in our life would reflect you and point back to you. Lord, may you receive all the glory and honor and praise for you are worthy. We love you in your precious, powerful name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.